Well, maybe you uh, heard this week about uh, two men who crashed their private plane uh, into a deserted South Pacific island. Uh, They both survived. They weren't hurt. One man kind of got out of the plane. He brushed himself off and immediately started running around the island to see if anything was there, see if anyone was there, if they had any chance of survival. Uh, When he returned, he uh, came up to the other guy and he said, listen, this island is uninhibited. There's no food. There's no water. We're going to die. We're going to die. Other guy kind of leaned back against the fuselage on the plane, and he said, no, we're not. I make $250,000 a week. We're not going to die. First man, like, what? What does that have to do with anything, you know? He said, listen, we're on an uninhabited island. There is no food. There is no water. We are going to die. The other man said, no, we're not. I make $250,000 a week. Mystified, the first man taken back with such an answer, repeated himself, for the last time, I'm telling you, we are doomed. This is an uninhibited island. There is no water. There is no food. We're going to die. I'm going to have to kill you to eat you, you know? The guy still said, no, we're not. I mean, do I got to tell you again, I make $250,000 a week. I tithe 10% to my church. My pastor will find us. He will find us. Yes, he would. Now we're concluding our series, Life, Money, Hope, and we've been discovering that the Bible really has a, a lot to say about money. Matter of fact, there's more verses in the Bible about money than there is about love and faith and hope. There's more verses in the Bible about money than there is about heaven and hell combined. And we've been kind of talking about what the Bible says about money and how we can please God with our money. And we've been kind of comparing, you know, our way, our culture's way, the American way of of handling and dealing with money, and then we've been looking at God's way of handling and and dealing with our money. Now, now speaking of money, does does, does anybody have a $100 bill this morning on them? Anybody? 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 All right. Thank you, Steve. You got a hundred? Your wife loaned it to you. Can I? Can I have it? I can have it. Thank you, man. Let's give Steve a word of applause there. Thank you for being so gracious. You know, I usually don't get tipped to after the sermon, not before it like that. That's really kind of you. Thank you, Steve. Now, God's way of handling money, we saw, first of all, is to earn money ethically. I don't know if that's ethically or not, but to earn money ethically. Now, our way is usually kind of to to get rich quick, and God's way is honest, hard work. Our way is to kind of live for pleasure, and God's way is to live by discipline. Our way is to kind of love money, and God's way is to love people. So we talked about earning money ethically. Can you say that with me? Earning money ethically. And then we talked about spending money wisely. Our way is I always need more money. God's way is to learn to manage what you have. Our way is to envy others and to grow our debt. God's way is to be content and to try to eliminate our debt. Our way is a bigger house. God's way is a better home. And then last week we talked about spending money or saving money 
consistently, not spending it consistently, okay? Saving money consistently. And our way, the American way, is to spend it all. And God's way is to save for the future. Our way is to kind of put our hope in our money, and God's way is to put our hope in him. Our way is to kind of just live for today and live for now. God's way is to live for tomorrow, to live with eternity in mind. Now today we're going to look at the last component of handling our money God's way, and that's to give money generously. Can you say that with me? Giving money generously. So let's go through them. We need to earn money how? Ethically. Spend money. Save money. And give money. All right, give money generously. Now let me just be candid and say right up front, I do not get paid on commission. I know some of you think that's how the pastor gets paid. He gets on, paid on commission. I mean, the size of the offering determines the size of his salary. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, my father-in-law, God rest his soul, I, I love the guy. Uh, his name is Bob, Bob Cooley. And always when he would see me, right before I was getting ready to go to church and go speak, he'd always say this over and over again. I heard this. He'd say to me, Raymond, give them hell. Give them hell. Tell those parishioners to give, give, give. Give so my son-in-law gets a raise and my daughter gets a new car. You know, and he was always buying Jan a new car. Always a little concerned about the car she was driving. So he'd tell me, go, give them hell. Give them hell. Tell those parishioners to give, give, give so my son-in-law can get a raise. Now let me just tell you, let me be honest and let you know, I haven't had a raise in 15 years. All right? Nor am I looking for one. Given our current economic surrounding, during our current, current economic situation we're in, I don't want a raise. I've been offered a raise. I've said no. I'll continue to say no. It's not about me. All right? And I'm being a little vulnerable with you this morning, not because I'm looking for a raise. I am not. But I know when you approach a subject like this, some people, a lot of people begin to think, well, the pastor is being self-serving. I'm not being self-serving. I simply want to honor God with my life, and I want you to put God first and to honor him with your life, to put God first when it comes to your money, and to reap the benefit of God's blessing in our lives. Did you know that Americans today now are spending more money on gambling than giving to their local church or synagogue? Isn't that amazing? We spend more money today I'm sorry, I know many of you got, gam- got, got bets on the Super Bowl, right? We're spending more money today on gambling. Someone told me, hey, you know, Seattle Colors, if they win, I'm going to give half to the church. So we're, we're all cheering for Seattle now, right? Um, you know, we spend more money on gambling than we do giving to our local church. You know, we spend more money on dog food, cat food, and taking care of our pets than giving to the poor and the needy. So this issue of learning to give and give graciously, man, it needs to be addressed. Now, when it comes to giving, our way is kind of like it's none of your business. That's the way some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking about leaving. Others of you are here for maybe the first time. You're thinking, why did I choose to go to this church? You know, it's kind of none of your business. God's way is it's pivotal to our spiritual growth. See, this message is not about the fact that you think God needs your money. God doesn't need your money. This church Well, we could use your money, but that's not what this message is about. It's about the fact that God wants our hearts. Jesus put it this way. Your heart will always be where your treasure is, where your money is. That's where your heart's going to be. God wants our heart. God wants our love. God wants our devotion. 
And why does he want that? Why does God want our heart and our love and our devotion, our obedience? So he can bless us. Just like a loving earthly father wants their kids to listen and respect and follow them so he can bless them. God wants to bless us. You know, some of Jesus' strongest words of warning were to those who made money their God. Jesus told the church at Laodicea, a very wealthy church, he said, You claim to be rich and successful and to have everything you need, but you don't know how bad off you are. You're pitiful, poor, blind, naked. You're, you're spiritually bankrupt. You just don't see it. And you see, money can make us blind. Money can make us blind to ourselves. Money can make us blind to our true spiritual condition. Jesus said in Mark 10, 25, it's easier for a camel. Let's read this together, can we? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Wow. I mean, why, why is that? What was Jesus' problems with rich people? Well, money has this tendency to puff us up. Money has this tendency to make us feel, you know, a little smarter, a little better than the guy next to us, a little prouder. Money kind of gives us a greater sense of control and independence and autonomy. And if we're not careful, our proud hearts will keep us from bowing our knee to the real God. You see, being willing to be dependent upon God is pivotal to our spiritual growth and development. Jesus said in John 15 that he is the vine and that we are the branches and we bear much fruit. We live a fruitful, purposeful life when we learn to depend upon him, when we learn to draw our life from him. God's way, it's pivotal to our spiritual life. Our way is all I have is mine. Can you say that with me? All I have is mine. God's way is all I have is His. The biblical view of money is, I don't have any. The biblical view of money is, you don't have any. God owns it all. I'm just a steward of what God has given me. Moses warned in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, if you start thinking to yourself, man, I did all this, and all by myself, I'm rich. It's all, what's the word? Mine. Well, think again. Remember that God, your God, remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth. Think again. If you're not careful, your, your pride and our arrogance will set into our lives and we'll begin to think, you know, I earned this. I deserve it. It's mine to do with as I wish. David warned, if your riches increase, don't be proud. You're in your 20s or early 30s. If your riches increase, don't be proud. You make it. Don't be proud. David prayed, everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. Everything we have has come from where? From you. And we give you only what you have already 
given us. That is biblical Christianity. That the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All I have is God's. I'm simply a steward. In the, in the banking world, in the business world, that's often referred to as an asset manager. An asset manager is someone who manages other people's money. They invest other people's money. They're asset managers. And that's what we are. We are asset managers. We are stewards. We're simply acknowledging that everything I have, all my gifts, all my talents, everything I have comes from a loving, gracious Heavenly Father. He's given it to me. It's all His. Now, you know that that $100 bill I put in my pocket a few minutes ago? I know some of you are probably thinking, why would Dr. Ray take Steve's money? Well, before the service, I gave Steve that $100 bill. And I said, Steve, when I ask for a $100 bill, if you'd be kind enough to give it back to me now, him knowing, Steve knows me very well, he knows my short-term memory is not too good, and so he was probably hoping. But that's my allowance for the whole month of February, all right? And so I gave that $100 bill to Steve, and when I asked for it, he gave it back to me, right? Now, if I was more godlike, God would give Steve that $100 bill, and he would say, Steve, you take and keep 90 of it, and you return $10 back to me. You keep 90%, you just give me back 10%. That's called the tithe, the tithe. The tithe is a Hebrew word, which means tenth or 10%. So tithing is a biblical concept taught throughout the Bible in which we return 10% back to God through his local church. Can we read that definition together? Let's do it together, all right? Tithing is a biblical concept taught throughout the Bible in which we return 10% back to God through his, all right? Now, let's break down this definition. First of all, it's a biblical concept taught throughout the Bible. You know, often we bring up the subject of tithing. There's always someone, and I've talked to many people over the years, that often will say, you know, well, that's not a New Testament teaching. That's an Old Testament. That was given to us under the law, and we're not under the law anymore. Jesus Christ came, and he fulfilled the law, so we're, we've been set free from that bondage of having to give a tithe to our church. And I Always just listen, and then I always want to say, hey, before we dive into this, can I just ask you a personal question? Do you or have you ever tithed? And the answer almost, well, the answer has been, at least in my experience, every time has been no. So, okay, just wanted to clarify that up front. So you don't practice that, and, and you're trying to say that the Bible doesn't teach that, right? Yeah. Well, I said, would you realize that before the law, matter of fact, uh, Several hundred years before the law, the principle of the tithe was taught with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob before Moses. I didn't know that. You know that the principle of tithing was taught before and after the law when Jesus came? I mean, Jesus not only mentions the tithe, but clearly and unquestionably affirms the tithe. In Luke 11.42 and Matthew 23.23, Jesus said this, You should tithe. Someone asked him about it. He said, these were his words, you should tithe. Yes, but don't neglect the more important things. In other words, yes, you should tithe. You should start there, but don't forget about the offerings on top of the tithe. Don't forget about caring for the poor and thinking of others and other causes that you value, but you want to start somewhere, you need to start with the tithe. You should tithe. Start there. You see, God desires... For us as his followers to have the desire and the thought and the, and the philosophy that all I have belongs to God. It's all his. 
Tithing is simply returning to God what is His. Tithing really isn't giving. It's returning. It's returning back to God what is already His. He has blessed us, and so we return back to God 10%. Leviticus 27.30 says this, One-tenth of the produce of the land, and whether grain from the field or fruit from the trees, one-tenth, 10%. Who does it belong to? Belongs to who? The Lord. It must be set apart as holy for Him. Holy means set apart. It means to designate it. It means to designate one t- uh, 10% to another purpose, God's purpose. And the church exists for God's purpose. The church exists like no other non-for-profit to proclaim the gospel. It exists for God's purpose. We're supposed to return to the Lord what belongs to Him by setting aside 10% of our gross earnings, income, whatever, however it comes to us. We set it aside for His holy purposes. You see, tithing is, is not taking 10% of, of your income and then, you know, you made a thousand bucks this week. Well, I got a hundred bucks. And then you go like to your local Christian bookstore and, and you buy some Christian books and a, a t-shirt, you know, and you think of your friends and you buy them some CDs and, you know, that's not tithing. That's shopping, okay? It's not for your purposes. It's for God's purpose, God's purposes. It's not your purpose or a cause that you really believe in. It's giving it back to his bride. It's giving it back to his church. Now, our way is to kind of give sporadically. God's way is to give faithfully. Most Americans, not talking about our church, but most Americans, they kind of just tip God when they go to church. They kind of throw in five, maybe a ten, you know, kind of like for good luck, you know. But God doesn't want us to be sporadic givers. God wants us to be faithful givers. The Apostle Paul said this. Let's read it together in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Let's read it together. See that you excel in this grace of giving. Excel in it. Every Christian should want to excel in the grace of giving. Deuteronomy 16 says, No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord God has blessed you. It's not equal gifts. We all don't give the same, but it's equal sacrifice. We give proportionally to the way God has blessed us. So God faithfully blesses us, and we respond by returning back 10% to Him. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says this, Honor God. Honor God with everything you own. Give Him the what? The first and the best. Tithing is faithfully giving God my first and my best so that God will bless the rest. It's giving God my first and my best so God will bless the rest. And many of us over the years, we've kind of developed the practice that whenever, you know, a check comes in or a windfall comes in or something, any type of blessing comes into our life, the first thing we do is grab our checkbook, and now maybe many of you go online, but it's to grab that checkbook and write out that tithe, write out that 10% to our church. We just got that habit, that discipline of saying, God, you're first. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to give you the best. I'm going to give it to you first, and then I invite you to bless the rest. All right? And when you choose to be faithful to God, God blesses it. Deuteronomy 14.23 says, The purpose of tithing is to do what? To teach. 
See, this isn't all about money. It's about learning and growing and developing, becoming Christ-like Christians. The purpose of tithing is to teach us, is to teach us to always put God first in our lives. And that's one of the greatest life lessons you'll ever learn, is to truly put God first. Make Him the Lord of your life. 1 Corinthians 16.2 says, On the first day of every week, and what's the first day? Sunday. So on Sunday every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Again, it's not equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice. Each one of us faithfully giving back to God our tithe. Now, why 10%? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why God picked 10, but he picked 10. And, you know, and it's kind of like that's God's standard to, to measure our faithfulness and, and our generosity. It's, it's 10 just like when you go out to eat, you know, and you tip the waiter, you know, and today I, I usually always give like 20%, I mean, somewhere between 20 or 17% uh, is, why do you give 20%? I don't know. I mean, that's just, that's the standard. If you're generous and they did a good job, you give them how much? Some of you need to start tipping more. 20%, all right, 20%. And God has established 10% as his measurement to measure our faithfulness to measure our generosity by returning to Him because He has blessed us. So our, our way is kind of give sporadically. God's way is to give faithfully. Every week, every Sunday, we set aside and we give Him 10%. Our way is to kind of give reluctantly. God's way is to give cheerfully. Cheerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, you must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. I like that. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves the person who gives how? Cheerfully. See, again, giving is a heart issue. The real issue here isn't your money. It's your heart. And God wants us to give with the right heart. He doesn't want us to give it all. Don't give. Just don't give. You can't give cheerfully and willingly then don't give. God wants us to be cheerful givers. Now, some of you might be thinking, how in the world could anybody be cheerful about giving God, giving my local church 10% right off the top? That person would have to be crazy. And that's a lot of money. That's like my car payment. That's more than my car payment. Right off the top. Well, let's look at this verse. Malachi chapter 3, God's speaking here in verse 10. He says this. God says, bring all the tithes, bring all the 10%, bring all the 10% into the storehouse, which most scholars would agree, that's the Old Testament picture of the New Testament church. Bring in all the tithes to the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. In other words, tithes so God's purposes through his church would be done. And the church is the only non-for-profit that its purpose is God's purpose. It's to proclaim the gospel. It's to make and grow disciples. Now look at this. This is really neat. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. And then what does he say? What are those two words? If you... If you do, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is what you call a conditional promise. God is saying, if you do that, then I will open the windows of heaven for you. If you do that, I will pour out a blessing so great 
You won't have enough room to take it in. And then God says this. It's the only place in the Bible that we see this kind of a statement. God says, try it. Other translations use the phrase, test me. Try it. Let me prove it to you. God says, listen, just just go ahead and I, I give you the challenge. You tithe. And let me prove to you that I'll open heaven's windows and heaven's doors and bless you. Let me prove it to you, and your crops will be abundant, for I will guard. There it is again. If you do this, I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not shrivel before they are ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And when I read that verse, the question that comes to my mind is, how can you believe in God and not tithe? Three reasons to give cheerfully. Number one is this, God's presence. God says, you know what? I will open. I will open the windows of heaven for you. God is saying, listen, I will be present in your life. I'll be present in your business. I'll be present in your job. I will be there for you if you will obey me in this area of life. See, tithing is really an issue of trust. Am I willing to put my faith and my trust in God? God is saying, if you will demonstrate your trust in me, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Trust me. Test me. Put me to the test. So God's presence and then God's promise. God says, I will pour out blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. God promised to bless our lives. And I want God's blessing on my life. I want God's blessing on my marriage. I want God's blessing on my family and my home and my job. I need and I want more of God in my life. I need to position myself to receive God's blessing for my life. You need to position yourself to receive God's blessing in your life. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that God's up in heaven, he's some type of Cosmic slot machine, you know? And when you tithe, cling, cling, you pull down the lever and bam oh, you hit financial jackpot. You might see that on TV. That's not what we're preaching and teaching here. God's blessing comes in many different ways. But I don't want to live my life and do my life without God's promise, without God's presence, and without God's protection. God says, I will guard them from insects and diseases. God says, if you tithe, I will protect you from diseases and insects. I'll protect you from the addictive power of money. I will protect you from a heart of greed. I'll protect you from debt that will destroy your life. And every time you write your check, every time you write your tithe check to your church, you're saying, my money will not have its claws in me. My money will not control me. I can choose to be generous. I can choose to be cheerful. I can choose to let go of money and give and give cheerfully. And God says in verse 10, try it. Test me. And I want to challenge you this morning to test God. You've never done it before. Test God and see what God would do in your life If you put yourself in a position to receive his blessing. Matter of fact, I've asked the ushers at this time if you would help me out and pass out what we call the 90-day tithing challenge. 
And what we'd like to do as a church, if we could pass those out, guys, um, what we'd, we'd like to do as a church for the next 90 days or starting next week, uh, for us to make a commitment and accept that challenge to, to continue to tithe or to begin to tithe for 90 days. And during that 90 days, if you've never done this before and things don't work out and after the 90 days you don't feel like God's blessed you, we'll give you all your money back. The elders have approved it. Um, no questions asked. Uh, we just know how hard it is sometimes to take this step of faith, to take this step of challenge. And this uh, card kind of explains all that. And we know that first step's the hard step. And so we're kind of wanting to help you in taking that first step um, by making a commitment to give to God first, off the top, 10%. Um, and if you would read through this card. Now, if you want some more time to discuss it with your spouse, that's cool. You can go online if you'd like, our new website. And you can sign up for it there. Uh, you do what you feel comfortable in doing. Um, but I hope you'll take the time and read through this as perforated so you can fill out the bottom, tear it off, keep the top part, keep it someplace where you can pray and remember about it. All the, the rules and the guidelines are in the back, so we're real clear. There's no problem um, in, in communicating. So we're basically trying to challenge you. We're challenging you to trust God. Uh, if you're already tithing, you can indicate on that card. If you need to start tithing, you can indicate that on your card. And uh, we just want to challenge you to open up your life for God's blessing. Now, I have been regularly, systematically, faithfully tithing now for 35 years. But I still can remember when I accepted the challenge. I was a college student. I was working as a youth pastor in a church. And I remember getting so guilty thinking, how can I be on staff at a church and have integrity and not do what the church preaches and practices? And at the same time, we had a chapel service, and Dr. Uh, Brother D, we called him, preached in chapel about how tithing is a New Testament concept, and we all need to do it. And he challenged us as college students to begin to tithe. And I remember the kids, we all thought that he was crazy. I mean, we're college students. We're poor, you know. We barely can get our laundry done, much less we're going to give 10% off the top to God. And I accepted that challenge that day. I was 19 years of age. You know, and I specifically remember, man, I accepted that challenge, and it's like God just opened the window of heaven, like it says here in Malachi, in my life. There was a girl back home, my high school sweetheart that I kept proposing to. She kept telling me, get lost. She finally consented. She said yes, and she had a brand new Camaro, and a Camaro came with the proposal, and I really wanted the car more than the girl, but I got them both, and we got the car, and guess what we did? We sold the car. I kept the girl, and we took the money. And we bought a house. We bought our first house. 20 years of age, we bought a house. Our house payment was $323 a month. We had two rooms out back. We converted them into apartments. And we rented them out for $300 a month. We were living in this nice house for $23 a month. And I can still remember this day, moving to that house, I had like a little study in the back of this house, and I would sit out there, and I would write the checks. And I remember looking at the checkbook thinking, man, I can't afford to tithe. You know, I was so tempted to steal from God all the time. I just can't afford to do that. And I did it, and we did it. And God just continued to bless us, and we bought another duplex and another house. And five years later, we answered a call to come to South Florida, and we sold everything we had. We took all the money we had, and we gave it to Palm Beach Community Church, interest-free, to start this church. Some $20,000, $25,000. Took the church several years to pay me back. And for the first time in our lives, we rented. We had three kids in a two-room duplex, you know, and we kept tithing. And God kept blessing. 
And he continues to bless us. And I really feel right now as a church that we're at a crucible. We're at a time of, 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 of great blessing. But God's got a challenge for us. He wants to know that we're willing to put our faith and trust in him. He's, wa- he's waiting for us to say, I'm all in. I just won't talk about believing you. I'll demonstrate my faith. I'll trust you. I put my faith in you. I'll take that, that challenge. God says, try it. Let me prove it to you. And I want to say, try it. Let God prove it to you. Let God prove it to you how faithful and good he is when you put yourself in alignment for his blessing. So I'd like to do a little self-assessment this morning. You ready? Let's, some of us, we need to do a, a heart check. Heart check. Because that's really the big issue here. The issue is, have I given my heart to God? Because some of your hearts are a little cold and callous and somehow or another you've kind of got a little distracted. You've kind of pulled away from God. And the issue here isn't about money. It's not about tithing. It's about your heart. And that God wants your heart. God desperately wants your heart. Have I truly given him my heart? Am I passionate about the things that God's passionate about? What is God passionate about? God's passionate about his bride. His church. Gut check. Do I really have the courage to follow him? Am I really willing to rearrange some of my spending habits to put God first in my life? To put God first in my marriage? I mean, it takes guts to follow Christ. It takes character. It takes old-fashioned discipline. It takes delayed gratification to really put God first and to do it his way. It takes guts. And sometimes people think Christianity is for weak people. It's the opposite. It's for strong people with courage. Gut check. So do you have the courage to follow him? Faith check. Do I have the faith to trust him? He said it all comes down to your faith. It really does. Do you believe God? Do you believe his word? Do you believe the truth that God wants to bless your life? If you will simply choose to put him first and put yourself in a position to receive God's blessing and God's best for your life. I hope this morning that you have caught a drift of my own heart and caught a drift of God's heart. It's not about money. It's about your heart. And I pray you let go of the greed that always wants to hold on. And I pray that you'll put your hands and put your faith and put your trust into a loving God that wants nothing better than to bless your life. Can we pray? My prayer for you is that you will choose this day to put yourself in a position where God can bless you in your life. That's my prayer. Can you join me right now in praying and saying, God, God, I want to give you my heart. Can you pray that? God, I want to give you my heart. God, give me the courage to follow you. Give me the faith to trust you. God, help me to do life your way. 
God, help me to manage my money. Help me to manage your way in a way that is pleasing to you. Can you join me in praying this morning and say, God, I want your presence. I want your blessing. I want your protection in my life. I make the commitment this morning to put you first. To really put you first and to start putting feet to my faith by tithing. You know, we give because God has given. God has given his most precious gift to us, his one and only son. And our Christ, he gave. He gave his life for our sins. I invite you, if you haven't at this time, to give your life to Jesus Christ. Say, God, I acknowledge my sins. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. I invite Christ to come into my life right now, to change me, to save me, to forgive me. God, we are so grateful that you are a gracious, generous God. God, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. God, help us to be people of faith. Help us to choose to trust you and to do life your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.